This episode is a sponsored partnership by Keen. So, you finally decided that you want to seek psychic advice. But now you're just sitting there and you're asking yourself, why Keen? Shouldn't I just look into psychics near me? It would probably be a lot easier. Our response? Why would you? Keen connects you with talented tarot readers and astrologers. If you want to get a reading on Keen, it's super easy to start. They've been giving trustworthy readings since 1999, over 35 million to be exact. All you have to do is create an account, and you'll be able to choose from hundreds of readers who are online right now. These readers each have unique specialties designed to provide a deeper understanding of your situation. Want to learn more about your love life? What's your financial future look like? Are you looking for a closure from a deceased loved one? Keen has a reader ready to provide clarity and insight. You can choose whichever reader best suits your needs, and you'll be able to connect via phone call or text. Just go to trykeen.com potential. As a new customer on Keen, you can try your first 10 minutes for only $1.99, which is up to $99 in savings. Once again, that's trykeen.com potential. Get your first 10 minutes for $1.99. And remember, know your potential. Hey, Potential Podcast listeners. Let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in discreet packaging. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. These results are reviewed by a clinician and a member of the Let's Get Checked nursing team may call you to review your results. And Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So, if you want to avoid an uncomfortable office visit or prefer the convenience and get tested at home, visit trylgc.com potential and get 25% off your test using code POTENTIAL25. Once again, that's 25% off your test by going to trylgc.com slash potential using the promo code POTENTIAL25. Take charge of your physical health and well-being and let's get checked. Talking all things entertainment, pop culture, and nerdum. This is The Potential Podcast. Well, welcome back to The Potential Podcast. We have a very exciting episode today. My name is Chris Dewar. I'm one of your hosts. And with me is my co-host, Taylor Sokol. How are we doing, Taylor? We are doing well. I'm, I'm feeling, uh, feeling very exp- inspired by this coming podcast. Inspired. Inspired. You, how are you inspired? Well, I think you know why. Because this one I'm pretty pumped about because uh, I just feel the call of the stage calling my name. Our love of Calling theater. I've been answering to for a long, long time. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
Well, anyway, thank you listeners for being back. We have a very exciting episode today. Uh, Taylor actually came up with this topic and I uh, wholeheartedly agreed and thought it would be such a fun thing to talk about. So for those of you who know me and for those of you who don't, um, I'm an actor by trade. That is what I do. I'm an actor, performer, I'm a singer. So uh, theater is my life, especially musical theater. Uh, theater is your mistress. Performer. And there's been this huge trend over the last, you know, probably by now even more than 100 years of film of taking movies and turning them into musicals and the opposite taking well-established musicals or plays yes and turning them into movies so we wanted to do a little kind of stage to screen screen to stage topic yeah and, and that's yeah that's why i was talking to you chris and i got inspired by this because i thought there it, it combines both of our interests so much and so that we both have a love of the movie theater, but love of live theater. And there's been some successful productions of creating a play or musical to a movie. And there's been not so and vice versa. But sometimes it's just interesting to find out what goes into making a successful adaptation. That's the big thing about the topic mm-hmm. today is adaptation from stage yes. to screen and back again. And so that's that's kind of what we're talking about because it's just something that I find fascinating. And you're absolutely right. It's been well well over a hundred years probably that they've been doing and, and I was doing a little bit of research and I didn't realize some of the half of the movies that you've seen today or have seen in the past were once plays before they became movies like from uh, from plays like Streetcar Named Desire. Mm-hmm. A lot of people know that uh, because of Marlon Brando's performance and Stella and all yeah. that. So that, you know, people don't know that was a play and I didn't know that either, you know? So that was, that was pretty exciting, but I think let's jump right into it. What makes an adaptation successful? Well, first you got to think about what is the medium. And so of course, when it comes to theater, the unique experience about going to the theater is you're seeing live performers. The show has to go on. You're going to go down and sit and watch a two and a half hour show and it's live actors on stage and there's not this chance to mess up. It is like, you know, you're, you're just a little bit of that edge energy because you're seeing people tell story and they're singing and dancing and all these elements and it's all live. They're in the moment. And they're in the no, moment. There's no takes. There's no outtakes. There's no editing. What you see yeah. is... Just like a movie, though, there's all that painstaking mm-hmm. um, takes and practice and scripting. But if something happens, the, as they say, the show must go on. show must go on. Now, yes. of course, a movie, a movie does get multiple takes to create what's going to be that final cut. You know, this is what's going to last for history. And that's, of course, the difference is when you go see a show, you're seeing an experience that you will remember but it's not something you're going to keep with you to watch multiple times. Whereas a movie or TV show can be that way. So this is where this is the fun kind of game is, okay, you're taking a well-established movie that might've had a lot of great visuals and all this scope and scale seen all around the world. How do you take that and break it down to something that's going to be on stage where you are very limited to what you can do set wise to create backdrops, to create set pieces and then you have to, of course, add music. Whereas then the opposite, what's great, what I think is a great thing about when a musical gets to have a movie adaptation is often the set pieces and the kind of grand scale gets to be greatly increased because, you know, a dance sequence in a musical that might have 20 people in it 
now could have 500 people in a newly, you know, envisioned take on one dance for the movie adaptation. Well, just with, with time and, and money, but on the opposite end, that could actually detract from it. Because that, now you, yeah, that's true. And, that, that's, and that's the thing with, 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 and the two things I think that make an adaptation so great is the effect of storytelling. Because as you said, a live production, it is an intimate focus of that human connection. Because mm-hmm. what, what, is it, what is a show trying to do? Um, well, what is any, any production? And I'm getting very, what, what is anything trying to do? Um, whether it be- Who are we? <laughs> what I have for breakfast? No, uh, but what, whether it be live or film, it's a storytelling. That is the yeah. goal, is to elicit that emotion in the audience. And it's, it's more so, I think, in, in the, well, live, live productions have been around since the dawn of time. Yeah. And that's the thing. And that's the thing because media has, it's not that old. I mean, it, it, it's well over maybe a hundred years, maybe a little, a little over a hundred years old, but um, well, probably longer than I have, but media has, is still such a small like life and history to it. Mm-hmm. But the fact that live storytelling has been around so long you know, it, it's been able to change, but the, what hasn't changed is the storytelling. The goal is to elicit that emotion in the audience or teach the audience something to drive some sort of exactly agenda or, you know, what's going on in the world because so many things. And, and for example, like we're going to be jumping in examples here. Like um, what is a show that we both saw recently that was uh, the, as we're talking about a reverse adaptation um, when it was, it was originally a book, but then it was made to a movie and then it was, made to the stage very recently was to kill a mockingbird yeah i mean there's been other versions but this was the the, the broadway uh revival and this was um an adaptation by uh alan sorkin aaron sorkin yeah oh aaron sorkin sorry that's his brother yeah and then adam uh the, the twin um <laughs> and uh yeah so we saw that play and of course, if you see the movie and you know Gregory Peck, um, it is a black and white film, but there's, you know, there's these aspects of you're kind of seeing like a full sequence of like the woods and the street they live on and the courthouse and the, the Broadway show, as many Broadway plays do today, did very limited um, sets. It was like, you know, a porch would come out and, a, and a, just a, a door would, would fly in from and the one top. one little branch. Of, yeah. Oh, that's, that's the tree all, outside. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was very, you know, it's more we're really focusing on the actors, letting the actors tell the story. And that's what's, you know, I think a great thing about looking at, um, as you were talking about things that could distract is there is that intimate idea of a theater and what it's trying to tell people. But when it comes to a movie, sometimes I think, you know, looking to the masses of people that can go see things, they have to be entertained. They have to be kept in seats and, not everyone that's going to go see movies are people that would enjoy theater. And no. so often it has to be kind of blown up and kind of, you know, grandiose kind of and everything um, like that. But that's the thing when you're on a stage, you are confined and limited no matter if it's a Broadway stage or a local theater, mm-hmm. you are confined. And it's that thing, you know, when I, when I grew up and I know particularly, I'm sure you did uh, going and doing uh, acting classes and, and, and stagecraft, like in high school, I did, um, that was the term was that willful suspension of disbelief where you're mm-hmm. seeing this stage production and you have to envision this is what it's going to be. And this is, this is what they're trying to do here. And like with some of these, these plays, it's just that the action is all the actors. 
the performers on stage. And so that the stage may be confined, but your imagination as the audience should not be, should not be limited. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And, but when you're talking about, it's funny you're talking about, about how some of these set pieces are really great. Sometimes it's the opposite. Um, Do you know, you know, the movie Pretty Woman, obviously, right? I do, yes. Did you see now that came to they made that now that's a big thing. That recently was a Broadway musical. That's a big thing about Broadway. They've been they've been transferring transforming movies, well known movies, into musicals. And we've seen the op we've seen one of the successful ones. We saw, I mean, number of these movies that are coming out under uh musicals and Broadway. Um Tootsie was one we had seen. Mm-hmm. That was um and you know, Back to the Future is going to be coming out and things like that. But I did not see Pretty Woman on stage, but I, I know my grandparents did. And they were kind of like, the set was very, very basic. They're like, literally there was a table and a chair. And it was like, it was like the opposite. Although that movie's not known for its grandiose sets and numbers, but you can, it almost, if you're not, it, less is not more sometimes. And I think. True. Um, yeah, you know, it's just, it's, such an interesting thing because uh the last especially the last like 15 years the amount of musicals that have come out that have been original and not based off source material are much smaller in number to the ones that are based off movies or previously run uh types of media i think it's Um, a gamble it can be a gamble and um you know it's become almost this kind of like Broadway is trying to continually put butts in seats. And if you look at right now, all the current shows on Broadway that have been running for a long time and have stayed running for a long time, they all have a movie. They almost all have a movie of some sort, or they have plans for a movie in the future. And some even have two movies, you know, it's, it's, you know, and it's crazy to think that we've kind of reached this point where, you got to grasp people's attention and people don't know if they can just handle this kind of small cast, really intense, deep subject about our current affairs. And whereas no, show them the showy, funny little cartoon character, you know, doing all these funny things and people are going to crazy for it. Um, And some have been really great. You know, some have been really great. I think there's some really strong work and then some, it's just, I think the problem is sometimes with the, a musical yeah. is with movies you can have multiple sequels prequels you know you know there's a lot more room to show a bunch of different stories for those characters when it's coming to a musical you have to pick one plot yeah. and stick to that plot and it's really hard to do that sometimes sometimes you nail it sometimes it's kind of like eh for example uh about let's see this would have been about 10 years ago i saw this on broadway um, I saw the Adams Family. Yes, sorry, Nathan Lane. It was like a all-star Broadway cast, and I was so excited to see this show because it had a lot of Broadway people that I wanted to see. And like the essence of those characters are there. It was really funny. Some of the music is is really well done. Like I still listen to it to this day, and I w- it'd be a show I'd love to do one day. In terms of the overall plot of that show, not a huge fan. Yeah. There's a lot of things they could have done with those characters and those characters have been through multiple movies and TV shows and all kinds of things. The plot's very basic and it's a very not Adam's Family-ish plot. But that's what they came up with. That's what they kind of singled to. And today it's still being, it's like one of the most produced high school shows 
anywhere and a yeah, lot of theater companies are doing it and that's just like one example of you know it you know sometimes it works and that's the thing too is you think there's also movies out there that are shorter in length than the musical because typically musical will be roughly two and a half hours yeah. but sometimes they got to expand the material that's given which is great uh this is an example of that shrek the musical yeah when that came out i mean the movie of shrek's gotta be i would, I would guesstimate like it's, an hour 40 uh, yeah hour 40, know? yeah something like a that. typical kind of you know dreamworks uh disney family, style family you know movie, family yeah. f- movie so i mean by the time the musical came out multiple movies had already been released so yeah. you know they're that you know people knew who shrek was and who Fiona if you was. didn't know shrek you had been yeah. under a rock but the musical when it first came out it you know it's like a two and a half hour show and they got to expand a lot of the characters and kind of give a little more uh you know either some backstory or they got to do some things that weren't included in the movie that's that's one of those positive moments where it's like, well, you're gonna see something. You're, you're not just, you're not just seeing the movie. You're gonna see something on stage, and that's what's so unique. I think that was a an example. Uh, I've, I've had the great pleasure of now twice playing Buddy the Elf in Elf yes, Musical, which is a musical take on the movie Elf starring Will Ferrell, and it's pretty much almost you know, a direct copy of the movie then with these great songs. It's, it's got some really great musical songs. But there's some changes in the script and there's some things that they did not keep. And they, you know, the, the scene with Peter Dinklage, is, that whole scene is, is, is not in the show at all. The scene in the mailroom was completely changed. Um, instead, yeah. Buddy goes to a Chinese restaurant in the show and he has this whole great dance number with all these hilarious kind of like out of work santas you know so like there's there's some changes in the show well you know that's there and so you're like if you're a fan of the show you're gonna love it but if you're a fan of theater you're gonna get to see something new well and i think that's in case in point (coughs) barbie um you all choked up and emotional here uh that case in point you didn't when we saw this together it's kind of cool because we've shared a couple of these things together uh we one of the first musicals you and i saw together was tootsie that was the first mm-hmm. one that we had seen together uh because we're chris and i we got to really uh, reconnect over the past year and a half and uh it was great because we both got to spend a lot of time in new york and this is his city this is something you know the place that he's really uh come to embrace as his home and um, I'm talking about you like you're not here. <laughs> uh, so I was like, I, I, you had seen, you had been much more of a Broadway, um, uh, Broadway fan and Broadway, uh, Broadway, you know, uh, Broadway. You can show. say it, a Broadway nerd. Yes, you are Broadway nerd, it. and I was a Broadway novice. I really was. I had only seen yes. at that point up to two shows, but probably two more than most people seen. Probably two more than some New Yorkers ever seen. Yeah. So, but we. And the great thing about shows, uh, long story short, if you have not done this, you always can do uh, the, the thing about great thing about shows in Broadway. You can do these things called rushing tickets or lotto, so you can get fairly cheap tickets, and uh, you know, and they're halfway decent seats. So we did this quite a few times, and one of the shows we saw was Tootsie. Many of you know this was originally a film adapted to a musical. Now, Chris, you never saw the movie, but I have. This is true. I had not seen the movie, and this is prior our first time. Show one of the first times. One of the first of many times. Not many, but many times that one of us has not seen the film. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I had really interesting hopes for this because you had no expectations at all what to expect. 
but going off what you're saying about the changes they make, because if you have not seen Tootsie, great film. Um, it's very, it's very fun with um, a lot of these stories where a character goes uh, in drag or a different identity and all that kind of hilarious hijinks. That this is all original music. Where the original movie, uh, Michael Dorsey is an actor and he's trying to, and he gets uh, he gets dresses up as this woman uh, for the Dorothy Michaels character and he becomes this woman uh, character and he's trying to get on a soap show, soap opera. So he gets in his soap opera, he becomes a soap opera star. And there's hijinks where he falls in love with his co-star and all that. I won't uh, ruin the movie for you if you haven't seen it. If you haven't seen it, it's been around for a while, so spoiler alert. It's on Netflix right now, so it's Yes, pretty, so yeah, check it out. I watched out. it a few weeks ago. I thought it was Finally, crazy. and you liked it. You Finally, did enjoy it, did. didn't you? I did. Uh, <laughs> Dustin Hoffman is really funny in it, as is um, Terry Garr. Oh yeah, just great. Uh, And that was the thing. And then with the musical, he is becoming a Broadway performer. And so there was a little bit of differences in terms of like a lot of stuff that they cut with uh, his love interest, his dad, and some of the other goofy, but the spirit of it was there. And I think what was great- It was a smart change because that allowed for them to, you know, the the funny thing about people that are always kind of weird about musicals is, you know, the idea of, how can you spontaneously just start singing or jumping into dance? Yes. And the great thing about that was it, it, they basically gave the excuse of why at any moment there might be a musical number because she was getting into a Broadway show. Yes. And so, and to see was, you know, so that was actually, I thought a great change. And then I actually really enjoyed the show. Um, it was hilarious. And, and, for a, um, and for a movie that was based in the eighties, the mm-hmm. spirit of the message of that movie was very relevant to today yes. and that's yeah. what i think was interesting because when you saw the movie you noticed that the same kind of ending still had that same spirit mm-hmm. to it and i think the fact that a movie or a performance just like when we're talking about uh to kill a mockingbird how such a great performance but it's still very relevant very to relevant society. And which is the great like, thing about yes. these playwrights and these you know these these people that are the writers the composers the lyricists all that you know, sometimes they see things that many of us maybe don't or maybe are afraid to admit we do see. Yeah. And they can put that into a work. And, you know, there's nothing better than a movie or a musical or anything where you're sucked in by comedy or sucked in by a certain kind of story. And you're not expecting that kind of act one or act two turn where all of a sudden it's really dramatic and you as an, a full audience are kind of taking that gasp together and you're kind of realizing that you're all in this kind of shared experience. And that's why, you know, live theater, there's nothing like it to me. Um, it's still, it's still nothing like movies it. come close and there's, there's been moments in movies where I've definitely been in a great big audience and felt that energy. And, yeah. um, you know, the last time I could really say something like that was Avengers Endgame. Yeah, was you oh, know, we, and we a just collective about whole of like you know you're just you know you're with people that definitely are fans of that and they're experiencing this all the way through and live theater can do that. There's just moments where it's just like everyone's like blown away or shocked and amazed and um and yeah and you know it's just it's something that's it's always been magical to me and so it's great that we're seeing this kind of correlation between the two mediums and we're gonna get back and we're gonna talk some about our favorite uh adaptations uh either way and then you know a little later we're, we're also gonna we're gonna have to talk about some that just didn't work we um, have to take and, the, and good the, things, with the bad the good and the bad and the ugly, ugly. but anyway uh we'll be back 
uh, after this message. Check it out. This summer, one hero will face the ultimate test. Ah, uh, my homework's due. He challenged the vulture. He fought off Mysterio. But now he'll have to turn off the dark. The Broadway musical Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark comes to the big screen for the first time. I'll take Manhattan. The comic book world explodes in this visual new film from director Julie Taymor with a rockin' score by Bono and U2. Web slinging, web, web slinging. A freak like me needs company. Join Peter Parker. Man, these tights are really tight. Mary Jane Watson. Turn off the dark. And the Green Goblin. It's because I'm green, isn't it? As the web slinger sings his way to save the day and turns on the light. Spider-Man, turn off the dark, coming this summer. And we're back. Wow. I cannot wait to see that. Woo. That looks like thrilling. And I yet, had chills. Like really funny at the same time. I think it's going to be a huge hit. <laughs> a thriller comedy. Um, I don't know. That's uh, it's, uh, dun, dun, dun. Dun. Oh man. Well, good to be back here. Um, as we were talking earlier, uh, Chris and I, we were saying, we we're talking about just what makes a good adaptation. And like I said, we we're going to get back. Now we're going to kind of talk about some of our favorites of mm-hmm. what kind of inspired us and more so of what, uh, the stage to the screen adaptations. And, um, I wanted to jump in and start off. That was cool with you. I really, the one that's really inspired me, we talked about this a little bit. One of the best, um, one of my favorite, not the best, one of my favorite adaptations uh, from stage to screen would have to be of uh, Broadway musicals, The Jersey Boys. And then this is the story of Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons and what an amazing uh, group. And I didn't realize the history that went into it, but this was great because it was, first of all, the story itself was such a, a bit of history that probably a lot mm-hmm. of people didn't know, but it was uh, different than most musicals where it was, it was more of a auto, um, biographical. It was kind of like a bio yes. of the stage. It's also and, known as uh, what we call in the industry, a jukebox musical, which yes. means that it's a musical where all the music is um, based off pre-existing music. And of course this is all music from the four seasons and songs from around that time. There is a few original songs in that show Yes. But the majority of it is all, um, you know, stuff that they had already done before. And then, of course, they take that, rearrange and do arrangements for the musical. Yes. And then, and then um, do medleys and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, and that was how, I, I don't know how long, that was on stage, or that was on Broadway and then Vegas and other places. And even then I went to West End. And that was around for quite a while. Until, yeah, it lasted a while. Until, yeah. And then it was 2014 was when, they had decided to make an adaptation. And a lot of movie, a lot of musicals were being made to this, but the what made this so great was first of all, you got an amazing director. Clint Eastwood was the director for this, which I mean, he's an incredible, incredible director. He's mm-hmm. helmed a lot of great movies, but also what was really unique about the adaptation to screen was the lead of the three out of the four seasons. You have the three out of the four were the original performers from the original Broadway cast. Mm -hmm. And I think that was so great because not too often you have those movies that are made into music or musicals that are made in movies, anything musical, especially nowadays with movies, 
they don't have necessarily, they have more of the actor because of their resume, not so much their talent. <laughs> Where you actually have- yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it's quite <laughs> rare. It's great that we're seeing more Broadway performers being cast into yes. movie musicals, but often, again, musicals can be, again, it can be a, a bit of a, um, you know, it's a bit of a risky uh, business venture for a lot of these companies. So that's why they, they know if, if we cast some big name actors, we'll get butts in seats. And, uh, and I'll talk about that a little bit of, uh, Sometimes, yeah. yeah, it's the no, it's and, more and the yeah. more the face than the actual. It's talent the face level. and the name, but not the talent. On this one, it was all talent, and the only really big name in the movie was Christopher Walken. That was the only huge big name that, if you never seen the musical, you would recognize that name. And Christopher Walken plays a huge part in that. You know, and and you know me, I'm obsessed. That's just like my my diehard uh, fan. But the fact that they had that that was pure talent, so that you were getting. The creme, the creme, the, the fact that it was the original cast at all, it wasn't just talented music, uh, singers. This was mm-hmm. the OG, the original cast. And also the crazy thing about this was the Bob Gaudio and Frankie Valli himself uh, helped to produce and arrange the music that you were talking about. And As they did for the musical, yeah. The fact that they, um, that, that they oversaw both of them. And I mm-hmm. think that that way, I mean, the movie wasn't rated well because like they said the music was good and everything but they thought a lot of the some of the scenes you know more of the intimate scenes uh off of music but i thought they did a great job i mean because that is very tough but it was really in the spirit of a film it was like a a proper jukebox biopic and yeah. the fact that it was fairly historically accurate and that they had they was overseen by um people who know it best because they were them they lived that moment and i just thought it was just so great because i was a fan of jersey boys you saw jersey boys before right i've seen it uh two times now i saw it uh once on the tour and i saw it once in vegas and yeah. it's a great show it's a show i love to be in i love to play bob gaudio um i still yeah and well that was one of the is, first songs it is an amazing show at the, the the historical uh accuracy and the kind of you know the way it is, they tell the story and the the use of the music, and um, it is it is a fantastic show. And, I still um, want you to be Bob Gaudio. I remember that was one of the first song, one of the first songs I heard you sing was yeah, uh, "Sherry." Song of the ship. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, sh- yeah, which is of course sung uh, by Frankie Valli. Um, but um, but yeah, and it's funny that you actually brought that up about how it's great to have these original Broadway members. Yeah, a huge problem for especially the theater community, but I think a lot of people should have this feeling the same way. Yeah. The problem of when you're casting a movie adaptation of a musical is if it's a musical, there's going to be songs in it. That means if there's songs in it, that means your cast has to know how to sing. And more than often we are getting people cast who can't really sing. And then they record and are so auto tuned and it's just, it's just ridiculous. And, you know, we hear enough pop and R&B music that we know what it sounds like. You, you know what a theater person sounds like and you know what an R&B pop person sounds like. And sometimes they do not need to sound the same. No. <laughs> and it's, it, you know, there's been these attempts at trying to kind of find a balance of making it sound live. For example, we had the Tom Hooper directed Les Miserables uh, came out a, f- a few years ago. And you know, pretty good cast. Um, 
some really big names and then a couple of theater people in there. And they attempted this thing of doing all live recording. Now, typically with a movie musical, for those of you who don't know and, and are amazed to hear this fact, most of the times people record their songs in like a studio. And then when they're filming, they're lip syncing to their own voice. You know, it's, it's, they're not, you know, they're not doing that on the fly. It's because they want to have the best quality audio because then they're going to take that and make an album and it's going to be everywhere to stream or to buy. Because well, they, they, yeah, they, they can. Yeah. Which is the same with, you know, what's great about Broadway shows is Broadway companies will also do a recording in the studio of an album so you can take the music home. Yes. But anyway, back to movies. So like Les Mis, for example, you know, you got some great singers in there. I mean, Aaron Tveit, he's a Broadway singer. I've seen him before in shows and, you know, Hugh Jackman has definitely had his yes. amount of time doing Broadway shows. Then you have someone like Russell Crowe. I understand, yeah, he used to be in a band, but he did not have a great singing voice as Javert, and it was very clear. It's a very similar also experience with um, The Phantom of the Opera, a movie yes. that came out a while ago now. This is back now, I think, dating me into high school. Yeah, um, early That was actually early my, my first ever uh, time to ever see Phantom of the Opera. In any that was movie. really... That was, was mine too. Was the movie. Yeah, my, my grandfather and, took me um, to that. Yeah. You know, it's a movie where I go, uh, the the visual aspect is really well done. Yeah. Um, you know, I think they did a great job with that film overall in terms of telling like the the grand story. And again, this is a musical that is set around a Paris opera house. And, you know, there's certain places that you go within that show this got to really expand that and take you to all areas of, of Paris and, you know, to the high, high roofs of the opera house down into his lair to the grave site. And, you know, it really expanded a lot of stuff that you, you, you know, you have to kind of use your imagination a little bit in the, yeah. in the musical. Here's my problem. Gerard Butler, you know, I think he's a fine actor. I enjoyed him in a lot of films. He's not the best singer. Um, he's another actor that has done, you know, band stuff he's been in a band before so he was cast and you know when you pair him next to you have um emmy, emmy rosam patrick uh why why can't I think of his last patrick name wilson right patrick wilson yeah patrick wilson who made his entire first start of his career through broadway he's you know done a ton of broadway shows great vocalist now you know he's a huge huge movie star been in tons of movies and stuff He's Raul in that movie. You hear him singing his song and you hear Gerard singing his song. And it's just, you can tell there's a difference there. There's something about a more trained singer and not. And that's just a big trend in these, in these you know. Well, that's a mistake. That's a mistake um, that a mistake. they do is because his name. And also, I don't know if you, you made me think of this. Think about uh, another example, Mamma Mia. Great, mm -hmm. uh, great musical on stage. They adapted a movie decent movie and there was a lot of great singers in there speaking of male leads <laughs> painfully so Piers Rosnan yeah great great bond and he's been a great actor in many movies yeah comedic but, action uh, but... a great actor a singer does not always make and especially yes, when you I look like you're in that. pain um, yeah it, it's it is one of those where I remember seeing it and I remember the first time I ever saw part of that movie I didn't want to finish it and people were like, well, it's a fun movie. And my excuse was, I don't like seeing movie musicals where it's poor singing. Yeah. And it kind of, I, I kind of gave it a second chance and I did enjoy it, but it's still like, I'll still admit that some of the songs in there are a little woof to hear. Yeah. And it, it just, you see this difference. 
go back in time for a minute here. Look at the original like big name movie musicals of like, you know, the early days. Think, I'm talking about like Oklahoma, The mm-hmm. Music Man, The Sound of Music, My Fair Lady. West Side Story. Old, you know, West Side Story. A lot of those actors were Broadway actors yeah. or actors that knew how to sing. I mean, you, you had a whole generation where it was them singing. But there was also, you know, as, as the talkie pictures were starting to pick up, you know, which would lead into these movie musicals, you know, sometimes in the old days, it was that they wanted that face. They wanted that star. They yeah. knew they couldn't sing. So they would dub their voice. And mm-hmm. I'm surprised that nowadays, you know, we have so many great singers on this planet and we have a lot of great actors. It would not, it would not be the worst thing in the world to see another person provide the voice, which happens all the time and as long as, as long as they get their credit due and it and it doesn't look mm-hmm. like noticeable why not because there I mean, is look at look yeah. at animated movies happens all the time in animated movies disney movies you know all these movies that have songs in them if you go back in time and look at all these cast lists it happens in almost every movie the actor that will voice the main character when it comes to his or her big song not always them that sings the song sometimes they hire an actor i mean you know they'll hire a singer to record that song and it's just one of those things because they want to have the best sounding product and sometimes that choice has to be made and i wish that was the case when it comes to should be the quality not the brand you know you know the movie music adaptation and so um i mean the last one i can really think that i saw that i i overall thought you know Wow, I was like impressed with a lot of the choices and who was a uh, uh, into the woods. I was just the- thinking about that. I was um, just thinking about that. Yeah, Disney did, did a version of Into the Woods. Yeah, and there were some people in there that you kind of go, I don't know if they're going to be a, a singer or not. You know, uh, for example, Chris Pine. Uh, yeah, I was Pine. blown away by Chris that. Chris Pine was a great uh, Cinderella's Prince in that, and. He's another one. It was the same like when I remember seeing Hairspray. Uh, Hairs- the, the movie version of Hairspray is still, I think, it is an all-time great. I think it's a really well-done version. Well, the co- I mean, everything from the costumes to the music and, and uh, the casting. The casting. The one well. in that that I remember being so shocked about because, you know, you, just see, you see an actor in all these movies, especially if they're a superhero movie person. And the first thing you probably don't think is they're not going to be someone that can sing. James Marsden is a fantastic yeah. singer. Well, he came you know? off the success. Like, he was Cyclops. I was like, what? Yeah. That's, that's not going to happen. And that, he so, was you know, casting great. is a huge, huge, important part in that as well. And that's the thing is, uh, when, you, when you talk about making a movie into a musical, you're going to be adding songs. You're going to be telling the story in a different way. But you know you're going to be probably having a huge base of strong musical theater talent to tell that story. And there's, you know, tons of Broadway stars and, you know, all these people out there hard work and they're going to tell that story. It's a much more bigger challenge because you're going to be showing these big stars attempting to sometimes do something that's out of their comfort zone in this grandiose thing that's going to last on film for a lot, you know, for life. And it's very, it can be tricky. And, um, but yeah, that's, that's the last one I remember being really uh, impressed by. Yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes it, it can even be something as simple as a, uh, you're kind of okay with the, the singing being subpar or not yeah. as strong, but the movie turns out great. An well, example it's also of that the performances for me and stuff. is um, Sweeney Todd. 
I will stand by that I think the Tim Burton version of Sweeney Todd is a very strong film. I really do enjoy that film. Well, first of all, because of, you know, it's not the best singing. Johnny Depp's not a great singer. Helena Bonham Carter is a very kind of airy, whispery singer. But what he did with that, because they weren't known for singing, and and it was, he made these a lot more intimate songs Mm -hmm. where they were, they were, it was tighter, more intense on just, they were more whispered songs. Yeah. And And the visual aspect of the storytelling and the very Gothic Victorian and the costumes and, you know, what Tim Burton usually does a spin on. That was a, I thought that was a winning combo. Well, that's his, that's his wheelhouse. Like it was Mm -hmm. just the perfect marriage of Sondheim and Burton. And it was like, that would just, and the fact is because, well, him collaborating with, with Johnny Depp and, and that's just another, it was another winning combination, but just the, it was just, and it was funny because my mom got me that. She always remembered, she saw the musical way back when. And, but I had never seen it. And I just like, I was blown away. Like, this is great because it had a great amount of humor and also was like the horror elements, you know? And uh, mm-hmm. so I, that is a definitely a good choice. And I, and I yeah. will stand by that for, for, I love it. It was a wonderful uh, combination. So now, of course, as we've kind of mentioned a few, and we're going to get more into that when we come back. Absolutely. It's not always a winning combo. It's and not pretty. It is. A, you might want to look ooh, away. It's, it's just better to have not seen it at all. So we're, we're going to get back yeah. when we're back. But uh, we'll be back right after this message. The Great White Way is about to meet its brightest new star, the Great White Shark. Opening this spring on Broadway, it's Jaws the Musical. The beloved classic cautionary tale about reopening the beaches too soon is swimming its way from the screen to the stage. Produced by Steven Spielberg and with a fantastic score by Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber, you'll be tapping your toes to such songs as... You're gonna need a bigger boat. Smile, you son of a... Anyway, we delivered the bomb. The sharks lament. And... Show me the way to go home. Tickets are now 10% off with the discount code BRUCE. And don't worry, the only thing this shark is hungry for is the Tony Award. Jaws the Musical, opening soon. Wow. I, I, I cannot wait to see that. Just I, My tickets are already booked before I even watched that. That's how crazy that was. Just I have, I have three words for you. Tony Award winning. And that's what's going to happen. I can tell you right now, Tony Award winner. That's going to be amazing. Mine I can't see that. Blown. Oh that's got to win. That's got to win Best Musical. Yeah, sit down, all you other performances. Just, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. And we're back. Uh, well, it's going to be back here again. We've been talking about these adaptations. And mm-hmm. we've been talking a lot about the good and a little bit about the bad. But now we're going to hit uh, the ugly, unfortunately, because not all these decisions of adapt. Uh, adapting excuse me a musical or play uh, to movie form is always good i think it's more often it's more there's more negative impact of creating a live performance to a uh, media or movie film mm-hmm. and uh, i think we can talk about one uh, very recent one yes the, <laughs> the very recent one that i'm i'm sure you probably guessing what it is but um it's been the talk of the town and uh created so many memes and, and hashtags. now people are even uh they're crying for a release the butthole cut 
But um, <laughs> I'm, of course, talking about... I never thought I heard that in my life. Yeah. Cats the Musical. Yes. So Tom Hooper, who we talked about earlier, who directed Les Mis, yes. and he had directed The King's Speech, and he won an Oscar for that, and a, a great film. He thought he would be the man to take on filming an adaptation of Cats. Um, Cats, the musical, which is still to this date, one of the top longest running shows of all time on Broadway yep. and the West End. Um, it's a very simple plot. Uh, it's just a bunch of cats who are dancing and singing to introduce themselves. And the oldest cat of the tribe is going to select one who they deem worthy to essentially get a second life and go to heaven. That's essentially the basic plot. There's not really much past that. Very simple. And um, this is a case, I will say, where I could respect that Tom Hooper was like, okay, when it comes to the musical, it's really just one big set that doesn't really change or move. It's a, a big, like, junkyard. So imagine a bunch of cats in this junkyard. There's some pieces that come out and create different little things, but the set's very stationary. It's one thing. In this, this was a big, you know, opportunity to be like, well let's expand and make these huge larger than life sets, yeah. especially sets that'll make it look like they're more the heights of what, you know, stray cats would be or cats would be in home. Um, domesticated cats, et cetera, et cetera. And the thing is, it just, it's such a bizarre, weird film of first off from the, the, the way they designed the body types yeah um, that's cgi you know, Before, for not even, stage, not even seeing it when you see them trailer no, just a trailer you know, it's oh my God. creepy you know on the stage it's like you know it's all they're they're essentially wearing as i did when i did the show many years ago you're essentially wearing one long kind of like unitard yeah and then you have added pieces on you that create the cat parts and you have like a wig with the cat ears and you do your makeup you know, that's like the whole thing, you know. Fun fact, uh, throughout the production run, they went for 2,000 pounds of yak hair throughout its entire production yeah. run. That's how much. So, uh, the, the money that went into the costumes themselves, and that was the thing about you're saying, that all, you know, the costumes, but then they were trying to do this thing with the CGI. That yeah, just, they, they tried to develop this new technology that would be like never before done. And it was like, they're adding digital fur onto the performers so that whenever they did their dancing or moving or anything, it just was like, you know, attached to them. And I'm like, that's great and all, but you also could just made a costume and it would have been like way cheaper. But yeah. they wanted to do CGI. The problem is they ran out of time. And when you, you know, when I saw the movie, I, I've heard that there's been some cleanups um, since then, but I mean, I saw a bunch of human hands, human feet. Uh, the faces too. Most, yeah. almost every cat, it, it felt lazy to me. I don't know if it was a, I, I, I'm, I'm going out and saying this right now. I know for a fact it was not the visual effects people. It was the decisions made probably by the director and yes. the production company of what the look wanted. And then the visual effects people just did their job. But I mean, it was so weird that like almost every cat was essentially just a face within a CGI like cat head. And it was like no work done to make them look like an actual cat. And then from there, this is where I really don't like when this happens in a movie musical adaptation, a musical typically will have anywhere between 18 to 25 songs, depending if it's a long show or a short show. Yeah. It's not asking much to keep every single song into a movie, but more time, you know, nine times out of 10, when a movie is going to adapt a musical, they will first off cut songs 
and then they'll have new songs written just for the movie. And let me tell you, most of the time, those new songs are god awful. They're just like well, they're just is, they're know, just to highlight that performer. And yeah, that and has and no in business case, being in a musical. They uh, they definitely cut a few songs. They kind of changed. There was one song in particular. They they changed the tempo and they changed the rhythm. They they it just butchered the song, and the dance style was different. And there's a lot of things that I you know for what should be a really simple storytelling show because it is such a basic plot. It just was, wow, it was like a train wreck. There was one number in particular that I did actually really enjoy because I did like the spin they took. Um, the character of Skimble Shanks, they have this wonderful dancer who's also a great tap dancer. Mm-hmm. So he's a ballet dancer, but he's a really strong tap dancer. Yeah. So... Skimbleshanks is the train cat and they did this whole long number where it's like him going down the railway tracks and he's tapping on the track and I it added to the number the number is a big kind of like um, upbeat kind of like driven song and it really worked and that was like a rare occurrence but I was like I like that but a lot of it I did not like and again they had a lot of these big movie stars who aren't really one singers nor two should be CGI'd as cats or CGI to do Broadway. And it just, Oh, it was just, uh, it was so bad. And that's the thing that's been such a, it's kind of an eye opener of it just, you know, I, there was a time where it was the golden age of, of cinema and there was a lot of movie musicals. You're looking like stuff like singing in the rain, which is the King and I, you know, the King Uh and I, you know, this time where, movies were being done like that all the time and and it is like we're still you know disney does do their animated movies a lot and now they've been branching out to doing live action you know live action remakes of their of their movies and we're getting a lot of this you know again auto-tune uh you know changing somewhat the nostalgia of these songs but the kind of movie musical that used to be that was so huge it's still in this limbo of kind of like it's not a dead art but it's it's like you know it's lost it's lost its way from it's lost from its the, way from the heyday, yeah. if uh if you look at something like superhero movies uh they're they've been going stronger and stronger you know it's like they've been getting better and better and i don't see and it's surprising again, because if you the look concept, at superhero movies yeah before that you know you look at the movies that came out from like the 60s 70s even to the 80s yeah, not all the strong stuff. No, and the nineties kind of started to pick things up, and then now we've been getting better and better. There's been such a yeah. There's been these moments, but I don't know what it is about. Again, I think the big combo is if you're going too bold with the kind of design and and look and how you're gonna tell the story visually, and then also who you cast and how they sing. For example. This isn't technically an adaptation of the musical, but it's all kind of the same material I'm going to bring it up. Yeah. A few years ago, we had Beauty and the Beast remake. Yes, we did. By Disney. Now, that is a remake of the animated movie, but they do have a musical that they came out on Broadway and ran for a long time. It's a great adaptation of... That's a great adaptation of a movie. I mean, it's an animated movie. It is a movie to yes. screen. And that's a, it's a very strong musical. Again, expands in some of the characters, a little more back history of the prince turned into the beast, some great character building and, you know, a little expanded. 
So they had this new movie and they went crazy visual with it. I yes, mean, they like, did. Big, big sets. The castle like seven times bigger than the mo- in the animated movie. And, you know, in that movie, you're watching it and I'm going, okay, I'm like with it so far. And then we start getting singing. Um, <laughs> and first off, you and know, then Emma, they open Watson, their mouths. <laughs> Emma Watson, great as Hermione. And I've seen in other movies and I've enjoyed her. Yeah. Um, she's not a singer and clearly she's not a singer because they auto-tuned her to death and it just ugh, it just takes away from the movie when you hear this kind of like pop r&b sounding voice singing these disney songs then poor dan stevens i i, I want to say dan stevens probably can sing a little but again he had a new song written for him as the beast uh, for that movie uh and again it was like super auto-tuned yeah the best singers in that movie that i was like well there's singers for you were josh gad who played yes. LeFou, who of course is a you know Broadway vet and uh, Olaf in the Frozen movies, and he can sing and and also I mean he I mean his roots in Broadway for Book yeah, of Mormon as I said yeah and then like Luke Evans uh you know who I know from like the Hobbit films and stuff he played Gaston and he also surprisingly was a great voice and so like you had these like people that could sing and then you have people that were cast probably for again their look or for you know just the name their, yeah. The name, the, yeah, and it didn't really work for me in terms of the uh, uh, the singing department. And it's like you got to be able to do both, you know. It's like you know, as an actor, I've been told one of two things. It's like if you're going to do a musical, sometimes people would rather hire someone that can act over someone that can sing because you are telling a story and there's going to be emotions and all that. Yeah, as opposed to just hiring someone that has a pretty voice but can't act. But you know when you're hearing some of these songs, it's just like they're written for a reason. And they're, you know, these people write these songs with purpose. Well, they're conveying emotion through the voice. Through you song. can sing well. Yeah. And it's the acting is, it should be second to the exactly. acting because that's what we're here for. It's the musical. You're absolutely right. And, uh, and we've been, you know, uh, we had this year or I guess last year, um, yeah. we had Aladdin remake and the Lion King. And again, there was these moments of kind of, just okay and for example the lion king when that movie came out it was such a huge hit and then it turned into a few years later a very successful broadway musical that's so running to this date now i believe the lion king is now this it might be the second longest running show i i don't don't put my money on that but it's up there it's been running for a long time. And so when you're going to do another movie about stuff that's so nostalgic, you're expecting everyone to sound amazing. And, and it just, you know, it was okay. But there's just things that I, I remember the one, for example, oh, yeah. we, we, was, talked, uh, about we this. talked about this. Yeah. Uh, this was the uh, scene, one of my favorite. Yeah. One of my favorite parts of that was character of Scar uh, doing be prepared. And, and in the, animated version and even the live action is such a powerful powerful song with mm-hmm. the shakespearean uh you know feel and in the movie <laughs> i got the, so the new movie this. the yeah. new movie the live action it was half of it was like a dialogue he was doing a monologue yeah it was, it was like, like a, it was like a offbeat weird villain rap and it was only like a minute long yeah it was like i know your powers of pretension are as is this an audio and it just, book? Sh- it just showed like <laughs> again it was like okay when you were picking the voice actor for this character did you think well we're gonna have that song in it 
so we should have them sing. And I get with the casting. I, I understand what they were going for, yeah. for the majority of the casting. But you you but that's why but look at the history of animated musicals. They've had a voice actor, but they had a person sing their songs. And yeah. we're talking about like Aladdin in the classic animated version, you had um the a singer a proper singer do the voice of Aladdin. The, the the actor who does the voice lines did not sing his own song. Not sing his song. Same with Jasmine. Yeah, same uh, with Jasmine. An actress. Yeah. Who um, did the dialogue of Jasmine, and then Leia Salonga, who is a well-known Broadway vet, and um, has also she sang for Mulan, and she's yes. you know been in. I've met her before. She's been in many Broadway shows. She's a fantastic singer. She sang, you know. Uh, a whole new world and you know and i think that's the thing is i think as we go into the future because there there's right now there's so many popular musicals of the last like five to ten years that are still on the docket to get a movie adaptation yes you were the two that were listed for this year that i was actually really excited for mm-hmm. and is already postponed till next summer rightfully so with all the COVID 19 scare but we had in the heights which, yes. if you don't know that show, Lin-Manuel Miranda, who did Hamilton, that was his first big hit. And that looked like from the trailer, I got chills. because Me too. I was very excited about like that. It's like a winning adaptation, taking, you know, great source material and going a little bigger and bolder with it. And the other one that we, we've, I've seen some photos so far. We have not had a trailer yet. But this is also very exciting and very bold. Um, we're getting a new adaptation of West Side Story directed yes. by steven spielberg to come yes. out this christmas time which is very exciting about him doing a musical because he's not really known uh for his, yeah i mean he's yeah. done you know all kinds of genres in his yeah. career but that is a pretty beloved classic you know only so far film version and this will be unique to see what he does with it his take on it if he makes it a little bolder and bigger as i said and i think you know both those movies like for example in the heights movie right off the bat, their main lead, Anthony Ramos, who's playing this Navi, yes. his roots were musical theater. Yeah. He done musicals. He was in the original cast of Hamilton. And then he started getting small roles in movies. And now it's like, that's where you go. That's a proper person to cast as a lead actor for that. And that's a role that Lynn did when the show opened and he's played it before, but he, he didn't want to be that person. He's letting someone new, take that over and i'm like that's gonna win that's gonna work but that's why and and it's 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 very simple concept when you have a job that you need filled you're gonna hire someone who can do the job if i need help building something out of wood uh, some woodwork i need a carpenter Uh if i need someone help with pipes i need a plumber if i need someone who can sing i should hire a singer I should hire a singer. Yeah, if I need an actor, you hire an actor. So it doesn't matter what your profession is, you've been hired for that job. And it, it mm-hmm. sounds silly laughing at this, but that this is the we've shown some examples where they did a proper decision, not based on, you know, name this one, like, you know, animated, they were able to do that. And even with these live actions, they're able to do that. They can go and like, okay, we have all this time to record stuff. Just like when you cast a musical or a play, you have time to find the right person. So, yeah. you know, and people will go see these based on the notoriety. Even if you're not a musical theater fan, I myself have become one. My roots did not start in that as opposed to you. Mine was always started more movies, more so the movies than you. But as being not as familiar with musical theater or theater itself, I 
go for the show based on, you know, people talking about this or the hype or something like that. It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. who's in it. I will go see it. Yeah. Some, some might be a little like, I don't know about that because I've seen them in something that wasn't that good, but I'll try it. And there's sometimes you do it. And we'll quickly add on to here a film that we both uh, love so much. Uh, The newest movie adaptation that was just about to open on Broadway, but now with everything, it's on pause. It's on hiatus. Um, Mrs. Doubtfire yes. is the most recent uh, movie to musical adaptation. So that, that you know, when, when Broadway gets back up and running, that will hopefully get its proper uh, run. And I'll, I'll be so curious to see how they took that movie, not only adapted to a musical, but maybe updated a little bit to a 2020 Mo- audience compared to, audience, you, know, yeah. you know, uh, a movie of the nineties. And so, um, you know, the future is going to be really interesting to see how, how these continue to develop, what, um, what choices are made of what movies are selected to turn into musicals and then which ones of, you know, especially these big Broadway hits, uh, you know, Hamilton, Dear Evan Hansen, Wicked, all these are on the list to get future movie adaptations. And it's going to be curious to see how they do that, how they film them, who they cast. Yeah. Um, and it's all about, you know, keeping they have a fine line and also finding that fine line of balance but also that responsibility to creating these perfect or not perfect but these proper adaptations that bring the musical theater people the people who love theater who live and breathe it and then bringing those non-theater people or the novices that don't know about it and they dev to 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 the theater and then vice versa because that's going to bring you back. Because I like we talked about, we've seen movie musicals, and then that brought us to see the live version. And they've got a huge responsibility, filmmakers, to make the proper decisions to do that. I, I just hope that they're yeah. going to do that. It's going to be, and it's going to be exciting to see yeah. uh, what they come up with. Thanks for listening to the Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Potential Podcast, or on Twitter at the Potential Pod, or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know know your your potential. potential.